This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to yet another bonus episode of There Will Be Dungeons, a Q&A episode. We did two in January of 2021, and uh, this is the second of those two. So we hope you enjoy it, and glad that you submitted more questions so that we could answer them more and give you more goodness in the month of January. We'll be back at it next month as well, and when we do that, we'll need your questions. So keep those coming. There will be dungeons at gmail.com, or there... Yeah, that's right. There will be dungeons at gmail.com or just go to the site. There's a questionnaire right on the page. You don't have to do anything else. Just go to therewillbedungeons.com, fill it out, hit submit, and boom, more questions are to be had. And sometimes we get them on Twitter, whatever, wherever. Just do it all and we'll do them right here on the show. All right, let's hand the keys over to uh, Kristen who will take us on a journey today with some questions you've had about our latest campaign. Kristen, take it away. All right, first question today. Have you all thought about other systems for future campaigns, such as Star Wars, Star Trek, Sixth Gun, The Expanse, Altered Carbon? Oh, my gosh. Wait a minute. Is he saying that there are... Are there... So if you were going to do an Expanse thing, is there a system for The Expanse, or would you use... Is he just saying, like, one of those places as a backdrop and then using some existing, you know, game rule set for it? Is that? I assume that's probably what he means. I don't know if there is one. There could be. There might There's game be. rules for almost everything. I guess they're on a show that did a, a Firefly rule set. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there yep. could be. Mm-hmm. There I, is an Expanse role-playing game. It is, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's done by Green Ronin. The, the Firefly system, though, is really weird because it was made, I believe, before the movie came out. And you play as the characters in the show. Like, there is no rules to play your own characters in Firefly. Oh, interesting. So what? So usually what I would think of this is, like, you take, take something like Starfinder or Pathfinder, depending on, you know, if you're going fantasy, you go Pathfinder, you're doing sci-fi, you're doing Starfinder, and then you just apply those rules to your favorite world. It seems like that would work because those worlds, like, you know, I don't know, The Expanse is kind of a hard one because The Expanse literally started as a role-playing game that those guys were building before they decided to branch the story out and do something with it. And then those books happen and then the television show happened. Um, so its origins was, uh, was as a tabletop RPG experience that they were custom making. But for most things, like if you were, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Uh, I just watched the movie sunshine, which is this great Danny Boyle movie from 2007 about restarting the sun because the earth's going to die in a solar winter. And uh, everybody's got to fly way out there and do it. And it's got this great cast. It's a really good movie. Anyway, like that, for example, you could take and say, all right, we're going to use the Starfinder rules and we're going to make our own characters. And our job is to go restart the sun or whatever. 
Like, I feel like you could do that with just about anything, right? I think uh, Dr. Tolbert here is asking particularly about other systems, as mm-hmm. in the official systems, like Star Wars Edge of the Empire is sure. a system. That would be a lot of fun, but I don't... <laughs> the weird thing about other systems is I feel like we'd have to match the tone of those movies or shows, mm-hmm. but we'd be coming to it with our own There Will Be Dungeons twist, which would make it feel like There Will Be Dungeons again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, you know... I also think there's there's something to be said about... Because I've always been... I was very close to doing a Star Wars uh, tabletop campaign. I had characters and so ready to go and it just never took off and as a result you know there's it's always been a pull and i just think for what we're trying to accomplish with this like online format and all of that there is a level of ease that the tools we have provide Mm -hmm. um that does get a little trickier as soon as you want to go to a different setting i mean we're we're kind of spoiled by the way some of these things work not to say that there aren't things out there that do it but i also think kyle has a good point where you know you do thematically if you're going to do star wars you know you want to get a group of rebels or imperials or you know you want to try and tie into that movie but how long is it before we start talking about wookie dicks and (laughs) what those look like first episode (laughs) first five minutes first episode well, yeah. The Wookie Dick. What do you mean? My name is Wookie, Wookie Dick. Dick. <laughs> Snake Island, only Wookie Dick. <laughs> well, right. These are all valid issues, but uh, there's also a production issue. Like, let's say we decided to do the Star Wars system for a run of something. Um, we are suddenly getting quite banned and, and muted on Twitch in a way that is uh, impossible to do anything. Because if we're gonna, if we want to recreate that world, we're gonna want to use the sounds and the music and the atmosphere of Star Wars and. Disney's crazy protective of that stuff, so they don't really let you do it. It's great for around a table when it's just you and your friends in your basement, but when it's you trying to do a quote unquote, you know, entertaining production, you severely limit yourself. Um, because Star Wars, the Star Wars assets are really, really tough to use without getting in trouble. Um, that brings up a good point too, because I know with Star Wars, at least, there's a heavy um, use of a new type of die system. Mm-hmm that you really need visually to kind of see how the story is affected. Mm -hmm. It really adds a lot to the game itself. So mechanics alone could really cause another level of challenge to making it a more audio verbal, whereas D and D is group storytelling. Yeah. uh, By the way, Kristen, you put the link to the expanse system thing in there, the game. And um, it's funny because James S. A. Corey, the author of the books is actually two people not one dude. Wait, and, uh, really? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's these two guys who were avid tabletop players and built this story, this world that became the expanse. And then what it looks like to me, I'm just reading some of these credits and stuff is they, they basically probably had a, an okay system, but it was more like, Hey, we're going to play with each other and this is going to be fun and friends are screwing around, but they probably smartly handed it off to a bunch of really smart, game designers because some of these names are jumping out at me as people on other systems and they built it again which is probably the right thing to do based on what they did but yeah a lot of people don't know that they're that's two dudes it's a pseudonym and they write those books together and it ain't one guy that's badass fun fact yeah 
Uh, next question. Who should I approach to talk about a project that I have in mind for an adult coloring book based on There Will Be Dungeons? <laughs> I don't think they mean a mature adult, but more, you know, like highly detailed and stuff. Interesting. I mean, I don't know who you talk to. It depends on what you meant, what you mean by talk to them about it. Like, do you have a project you want to see become a a publishable, sellable thing? Or are you just saying, oh, I got a funny idea. I want to do like a fan thing. You can do that without anyone's permission. You can do that. That's fine. But if you're going to make something you want to kickstart and like sell or whatever, we'd have to probably talk. But I'd also need to know more what he means by adult. I, s- <laughs> I assume like meditative. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. what I would assume too. But I have learned never to assume because sometimes <laughs> people want weird stuff and who knows. But uh, J- my guess is JP's talking about the meditative style and, uh, I don't know. That could be fun. Send me send me an email. We'll we'll throw it around the group and see what what the heck you're talking about. But uh, again, <laughs> define adult will be the first thing on our our agenda. And once we've done that, <laughs> we'll figure it out. I wanted to capture the moment that Nash kicked a penis under. His <laughs> <laughs> That's the bonus content. Can it be both adult and content as well as adult and meditation? Penis and meditation. It's fine. Yeah, just l- let us know, JP. I'm I'm curious what you mean. Awesome. Next question. Has there been any discussion of bringing someone in to participate in the new campaign? I think it's off to a good start, but I feel like it's missing a voice. Well, we knew this would be a thing, right? Like this feeling of, uh, you know, while Bo's taking his sabbatical, that it would, we would feel the missing voice. Um, especially cause that's what people are used to. You're used to having, you know, four players, one DM, and we've we've changed that, and so I knew that some people would would uh, would feel that way. Which is which, if you were somebody coming to this campaign uh, fresh, and this is all you've heard, you're not even thinking twice about it. Um, so that's a balance we have to figure out. But we have talked about this. You know, what guest could come on, or when would they, or how long would it be, or when Bo brings a character in, which is always on the table, and his chair is always open. Um, just a matter of him saying, "Hey, Sunday night, I want to I want to show up." And we'd say, all right, cool. And, 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 uh, Bo's character would, would integrate into the story. Um, so I still think we're, you know, our heads are still like, yeah, we're, we're ready to do that. And if the other thing makes sense, we're absolutely willing to do that. But there's just nobody who jumps out. We're like, oh, we got to get so-and-so as a regular forever and always. Like I just, that name hasn't risen in anyone's, uh, consciousness as far as I know. Yeah, the, the world is made, uh, there will be dungeons, is almost the influence for the world, that there will be missions. And as you've seen, the world is so full of various adventures where they could easily be like, and the the group here, we're assigning you a wizard for today. Take this wizard with you. It's important. They need to open X door. Mm-hmm. Or even veggie sticks today could have been played by a guest if need be. Right. It's more finding that footing, maybe getting to a rank in the guild where that sort of stuff would happen story-wise. But yeah, Scott said that like we jump at the people we jump at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also pretty early in the story to even start considering a regular regular because our characters are still very new and the story is just starting getting going. So I think once that footing is really found, then it's a lot easier to open the door to that kind of stuff because the improv is a lot easier and it's like stepping into a familiar skin when you step into that character, but that takes time and adventures together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well said. John, anything to add to that? 
I think that's all spot on. Thumbs up from John. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Just a big <laughs> thumbs up on this audio podcast. Right on. Yeah. Next question. Do you guys plan your next move between turns, research spells or special features, or do you wait to make decisions when it's your turn and simply enjoy the story as it's progressing? I'm a chronic overthinker. I'm thinking about my next move from the moment I've said that's my turn. <laughs> Yeah, you're good at that. I one of the things I struggle with, or I did, I did in uh, Nash time was, I I would do something and then go, all right, look at that, I did it. Okay, now we're gonna we're gonna do some frame switching here. We're gonna show Bo's face, and then we're gonna listen to Kyle's responses, Varel, and and then uh, and Scott, it's your turn. Oh shit, I haven't thought about what I want to do next. Like that was kind of a, a problem that I needed to try to pull myself out of. So I've made a concerted effort with this character with Crandall to do um, more advanced thinking uh, from turn to turn, like, or even just from the inception of the character, thinking about some of the stuff that clerics do, thinking about that stuff way ahead and what scenarios I would do this in and what I would do that in like a lot more thinking goes into it than it does, than it does, than it does with Nash. Uh, I'll admit, cause with Nash, it's a little more reactive. Um, which I don't think there's a rule either way, but you know, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a little bit more like, all right, well, if John did this, then it's probably smart for me to be doing this. And I start thinking about that two moves before I even gets to me. And, um, you know, that feels good to me. How about you, uh, Kristen? What do you, what do you do? Uh, depends on the character. Uh, so for grin keeper, a lot of it is, um, forward thinking, but because she's the frontline paladin, she wants to mostly set up the battlefield so that it's all around her. Mm-hmm. So one turn ahead is when yeah. she'll start planning the next yeah. move. Yeah, I I think for for me, it's always difficult to go off of you know what does the person who likes playing XCOM like? What is that voice? What is the voice of this? Is what my character would do. And what is the voice of, you know, reacting kind of in the moment? And they're kind of at odds with each other to some degree. Because I do sit there and I do analyze and I go, okay, well, if Scott moves here and he does this, then I'd move here, I do this. Then we can set this up. You know, and I get to those those levels, but I do try to make it honest. I don't try to I don't try to do anything that doesn't seem unreasonable for the character or act outside of what they might know or do. I try to keep it at least somewhat grounded um, and reactionary. Most of the time I get surprised by what, you know, my allies do anyway. And it's like, Oh, they're, they're not going to do that. So, you know, I'm shifting it when it comes to my turn anyway. Mm. Yeah, But I also played a dumb character in serious business and I still overthought my move. So I was, I was going to say maybe the secret is I just need to play dumb characters instead of smart (laughs) ones, but I still do it. Kyle, is it any different for you as the one who needs to puppet these NPCs and creatures and stuff? Do you have, you know, how far ahead are you thinking about what they're doing other than, you know, major story points, obviously, but moment to moment combat. Yeah, it's a lot harder with like a straight up villain that you're trying to keep a pace on and has been built up over time when it comes to random critters, which is what we've mostly been fighting or ghosts. My job is just to die as spectacularly as possible and as quick as possible. So 
I want to enter positions that are interesting for you guys. Maybe I do something that would allow you to execute a certain move or mess with your positions. So we're not all just standing there, you know, uh, Warcraft three don't know how to play. So the knights are hitting the orcs and they go ding, ding, ding till one falls. <laughs> it, I do appreciate when everyone speeds their turn along by pre-planning, but I'm in that exact XCOM situation too, where you're like, oh yeah, no, I got this. And then seven uh, chrysalis whatever's from XCOM jump over the wall and you're like, well, crud, now I'm going to spend here five minutes thinking, if not 30 minutes, how I can get out of this. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, I hope that answers the question. It's, it's a, it's going to, it's going to vary on. I think the answer is it varies on player and it also varies on character and it also may vary on experience. But Um, your DMs appreciate when you pre-plan. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, with these next questions, we're kind of going to be stepping back a little bit into before the extended break that we had. And so this one is, this is both for the players and their characters or wastes characters. Favorite Thanksgiving side dish. Mm. Uh, for Stanley, it's food. It's like whatever you put in front of him. This is, I've always loved this aspect. It's always been my favorite, like weird frustration, but also um, kind of inside joke in my own head that we've never really called out, which is, they're from the wasteland. They they like live day to day on whatever they can find and scavenge together. And so we go to like demon manners and stuff and they're like, what would you like to drink? And it's like Stanley always ordered water because it was like you can't find water anywhere. It's a rare commodity. He's never had wine. He's never had beer like he's he's struggled for his entire life. Like anybody else, he likes water and food that is readily available and probably not crawling through the dirt when he goes to eat it. Um, so his favorite Thanksgiving side dish is one. What's Thanksgiving and two uh, food. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's John's favorite side dish. Yeah. Mine is my, uh, my grandma makes homemade cranberry sauce. And it is like, I'm not a fan of cranberry sauce. I typically just don't like it, but it is the best thing I've ever had. Mm. And I, I've told people this, my wife is the same way. She said, I, I don't like cranberry sauce. So you got to try it. And she said, I'll try it. Cause your grandma made it, <laughs> you know, a real courtesy. And, uh, we currently have four additional bottles of it that we requested because she can't stop eating it. (laughs) And it is the one thing that during this pregnancy, she was just like, get me a bottle of that. No way. She ate the whole thing in one sitting. She's probably not happy. I just told that story, but she did. She just sat down and ate the whole thing. Um, it's very good. Mm. Uh, for Nash, I don't know. He'll eat anything. So. And even even if it's been whatever's in his pocket, like for real, like he doesn't he doesn't discriminate, but in a different way than Stanley, he just doesn't. You know, if it's if it's got any nutritional value, and if it makes him violently ill because it's too old or whatever, he'll still try it. He doesn't care, which is totally opposite of me. By the way, I would never do that in my real life. My favorite side dish is like the most boring thing ever. It's like I just like good stuffing, like. I don't care who makes it or what it's made. Mm, I'll yeah, even take, yeah, yeah. stuffing's pretty darn good. I'll great. even take freaking stovetop boxed garbage out of the grocery store. I'll eat that. 
Like right now, I'd eat a whole plate of that if you gave it to me. Sounds great. Yeah, but do you ever do what my dad would do, which is go to the deli, mm. get sliced turkey from sandwiches, buy instant gravy, and call that Thanksgiving? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but that, I mean, I, I don't know. There's something about that relates. I, I relate to that somehow. I don't know what what it is. It. Yeah, it's endearing. It. it is like yeah. I, we we didn't complain. And granted, that wasn't Thanksgiving. He just called it Thanksgiving, right? And you know, it wasn't officially the date or anything. He just <laughs> right. really liked that instant meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why that to me sounds fine. It sure does, though. I don't have a problem with it, which is kind of Nash like anyway. But yeah, I don't have a. Uh, I'm not picky about it. Varel, what do you what do you demand it? At the side of your uh, your, your lizard folk uh, feast, uh, I think I think if we all ended up at a Thanksgiving banquet, a uh, gr- uh, Varel's, mm, I'd go straight for the gravy boat and drink it. I mm. pour it into my mouth. <laughs> wow! Down in one. There you go. Comment how efficient of a vessel it was for imbibing. There you go. Uh, oh, the boat. Yeah. Yeah, the boat. Stanley and then wonder would be why a the boat is kept. Guy. If if, if he was at a Thanksgiving Ooh. dinner, he would definitely be like, "Oh, turducken." He doesn't know what it is, but <laughs> if he did, that would be it. Yeah. There you go. How about you, Kristen? Oh, let's see. Well, me personally, biscuits. Ah, I love biscuits. Mm, gravy covered biscuits. Mm. Yeah, with some butter on it too. I mean, just. Oh, make it soppy. So good. Uh, But hope if she were to sit down. It'd have to be burnt, Thanksgiving. It'd be on fire or burnt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I think she'd like mashed potatoes. (laughs) I love it. You know, I I think it would be a delectable treat because they usually have, it usually has milk and it's got salt and pepper in it. Mm -hmm. It's a really cool side. Yeah, nobody doesn't like a good mashed potatoes. Like, if they if they say that, they're lying because they're amazing. Yeah. I'm with mm-hmm. you. I'm with hope on that. Next question. Uh, this is this came in when Tasha's Cauldron was released with all of the new subclass options and Artificer class added to the new D and D tome. Are any of you looking at subtle or not so subtle changes to your class? Multiclassing, and then the artificer armor looks like it could open some potions, uh, some options, potions, some options for hope if she decides to cut her arm off again. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I will say I did run into the the Jedi that they put in there. Mm-hmm. You can become force sensitive, but in the D anD D world, yeah, basically yeah. that's it. Yeah, I haven't really looked into that stuff too much. Like there's there's some really cool stuff. Yeah. I and multiclassing for Stanley ended uh when he met the god that he was potentially gonna meet if he was gonna become a cleric and then went, nah, nope. nah that, that's <laughs> over. Uh that dream died. Um, but I will say for the new characters, I believe my subclass is gonna come from Tasha's. So mm. if you're excited about the new stuff that was in that book. I think that's where my subclass is coming from. Interesting. Wait, so you would have to get that subclass to level three, though, right? Yes. So if Co survives and we level up, 
Oh, I see. What you, I thought you were talking about Stanley. I, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of milestones to burn to get a multi-class going on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about for Co, not for Stanley. Stanley's pretty set. Maybe he takes the level in Rogue because the <laughs> last levels of Bard is boring. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't given it much thought. That's what about Varel? Uh... Gosh, the the end of Barbarian is is not the most thrilling thing, but I want my ability score improvements. And my final level 20 is that I get a strength of plus four and my con is increased by four as well. So it's not thrilling, but it's everything I need. <laughs> and that's all. Fair you, enough. If you get what you need, it is truly all you need. That's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And for you, Nash, uh, was Nash at all worried that it seemed that all the group's quests were leading them to the solar mines? Um, <laughs> it did seem like Bo was steering that direction. Um, and, I, and I hope one day we finally get to see it and do it in some way. Um, but it is fine. Like I, the one thing you don't like, well, I, I can't speak for everybody else, but the one thing I didn't want to see happen, and not that it was happening, but it, you're always a little nervous about this concept that your character would take front front and center because I don't, I never want that. I don't want Nash uh, to be the the focus of anything because mainly because he's just such an idiot. But also, I don't know, just I don't know, I, I don't know why it bothers me. It's just I just don't want to be, I don't want to be that that you know, I don't want to be the focus of anything. Now, whether Bo had plans for that or not, I don't know, and we'd certainly go along with whatever. But every time something would happen, like time bar for multiple Nashes or a giant Nash head in the middle of space, and you know, like these sorts of things, that all was leading me to think that that all paths led to some gnarly Nash business. But we're not going to know for a little bit of time anyway what what that was all going to be. Um, I don't know if that answers the question very well, but basically, I don't know. I don't, I don't, and I, I don't think Bo knew this or knows this, but uh, my, I don't like the idea of my character could have been like titular for everyone. That would, that would really bum me out, except to rub it in Stanley's face. And I don't mean John's face, but, but Stanley's face, because Stanley and Nash, you know, with the way they work together, that would be pretty funny if Stanley's entire world revolved around some kind of Nash business that would just crack me up. So maybe it would work. I don't know. I don't know how it would go. It would go either way. Yeah. Just keep on trekking. How does Stanley feel with the fact that he's the only one left with the principal's deal? Uh, sad, which is appropriate because <laughs> Stanley's the sad one of the group. So, you know, it's on brand for him. He's He's the one who feels like he's always punching up. So keep on punching up, Stanley. Yeah, never, never punched down. Always up. Yeah. For Varel, uh, since he has met an actual god who claimed Grosjil was dangerous and that the one Grosjil killed is the reason all these events were set in motion, did that worry Varel in the slightest? Yes. It would have been a nice story beat of sorts for uh, for Varel and Grosjil to part ways there uh, at the White Tower permanently, but then it ended up back on me. And I haven't really known how to deal with that. I mean, luckily, the Eye of Grosjeel is just like, hey, let's kick some butt. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I was planning to kick that thing's butt. We're cool. 
where that's going to come to a point or when I would disagree with him, that's what I'm nervous about. Because I think he just leaves, but, you know, knowing, knowing Bo, like, nobody just leaves and never comes back. No, totally. And then continuing on that, combined with the knowledge that the voice healed Grosjil and called him old friend, is there any worry Grosjil might be more evil than Varela initially thought? Yeah, that was disconcerting for sure. I don't know what to do with that information because Varel wouldn't understand the cosmic workings of why those two know each other, why that matters. I mean, he just wants to to fight the biggest thing he can and continue to gain glory. Uh, though I do like... Um, uh, Chris and I were actually talking the other night about what we were going to do with our characters because now we're being hunted by Mastermind. And I think I'm just going to let that ride. You know, if he sends assassins after me, all the better. That's more people to beat up, more people to challenge me. But I don't think we're going to confront that beast. Just let it let it happen in the background. But Grishel, I have no idea. I have no idea where that's going and what Varel would do about it. Uh, what's the group's thoughts on gods now that they have all met the fish bird? <laughs> They're dumb. <laughs> the fish bird. Yeah, the fish bird leaves a sour taste in your god mouth. Um, but I don't know. I'm kind of enjoying this Paylor business. And given that, you know, this this current run is such a it's a little more adherent to the um the world of D D and not like just, you know, us taking concepts and moving them into the wasteland. It's fun to explore that within the place it was meant to be or that it was created for. So not haven't done much with it yet, but I I'm having fun with that. But overall, gods are dumb. They're like Greek gods. They're all just kind of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> In their own way. Yeah. Are you enjoying Paylor though? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I say, I haven't done enough to to sort of suss out how that relationship really sh- is or should be or if, you know, if it's all hunky-dory or not. Like, I don't know. Some of that's going to come with, with the story and with time. But, um, but yeah, I enjoy that stuff. Uh, I enjoy it a lot. But it but generally speaking, if I was to if I was to enter the world, let's say tomorrow, the whole world of D and D became a real place, and we could all just insert ourselves in it and live our lives there, I would be pretty roguish and anti alignment with any deity uh, or anyone telling me what to do. <laughs> I would probably I'm at a stage in my life where I have way less poops to give than I used to get have, and so anybody in authority would probably just get the finger from me. Like that would be. That'd be me. Well, I guess if we could have any pantheon, which pantheon would you guys want in the D&D game? Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. What would you guys say? I'd, pro- I'd probably go with Greek just because it's the one that I like. They're all super dicks. Like Scott said, they're they're bad. There's something to be said about um, they're bad, but they're not Fishbird bad. Fishbird is just a troll. <laughs> Let's be clear what the Fishbird was. <laughs> Uh, Greek gods are, are bad, but you know, the, the importance is that you find the qualities in them that you need and you draw those to you. Yeah. And so I think that pantheon is just really fun. Um, and it, it also is a pantheon that allows for a lot of explanation as to, well, they didn't help you because they were too busy throwing a big party or doing something awful to a bunch of other people at that particular time. So it's just one of those things like it humanizes them in a way that just explains a lot of things in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Pantheon wise. uh, Oh, go ahead. With Egyptian 
Because there's something fascinating about, like, this is it, and this is the best it is. Like, their afterlife in Egypt was life. You just didn't have sicknesses or crocodiles after you. Yeah. You just kept farming. You just kept, like, this. it's as good as it'll ever be, and the and the land will be great. And you're like, fine, that, that's all I know, and that's all I care about. That sounds great. What about the gods? Uh, they oversee it. Yeah, it's the same. You just, just don't check you just, in every now and then. How's yeah. it going? You just don't get Nile mosquito disease and eaten by crocs, and you'll and it's that's the difference. Yeah, it's weird. They have that. Their ideas were pretty weird. Uh, they're pretty low. They're pretty low hanging fruit. <laughs> it's like they didn't really go too far with it. I think I like. Um, I mean, just not just to be different, but I really do like Norse uh, mythology a lot. And even though they're all kind of dicks too, um, I don't know. There's something about that stuff that I really like. There, there's a there's a adherence to glory and I don't know that stuff's fun it, it, maybe maybe more the way Mad Max Fury Road does it which is kind of a spin on that but just the whole shiny and chrome before the gates of Valhalla stuff and you know a man god named Morton Joe is the one that ensures your path to make it there and this you know spraying your face with spray paint there's like this, there's a certain devotion level there that always gets me and so I would take some version of that, which is a lot like the, the you know, their stuff in general. And the Roman gods are just Greek god ripoffs anyway, so those are lame. It's like, hey, I'm Jupiter. Really, I'm Zeus. Same thing. Big deal. <laughs> they both, don't they both have Apollos, I think? Or am I thinking of something else? I might be thinking of something else, but those those two pantheons are dumb. I mean, they're dumb compared to each other. It's just half a dozen of one and six of the other. That's a fun well, great topic. answers, everyone, this yeah. time. Well done. That's pretty much it. That's it for this week, everybody. And that means that's it for this month. That means that uh, next time we'll be doing this, it'll be with you again in a month. And again, if you want to be a part of this and you want to get your stuff in here, uh, you need to be sending in your your questions. That's that It doesn't exist without them. So thanks for your support, but then also send us your questions. We need to know how you're feeling, what you think. And we always get plenty, but it's never hurts to knock on your door a bunch and tell you, please send more. So send them in. Go to therewillbedungeons.com. Many ways to send them. Super simple. And uh, that'll be it for us for next month. Uh, or, yeah, until next month. From me, from Kyle, from Kristen, and from John. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.